Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This week's Failed Critics Podcast, I'm Steve Norman. I'm joined by Owen Hughes. Hello. And the co-host of Underground Nights, our spin-off podcast, Paul Field. Evening, fellas. Evening. Hello, Odo. Straight from Underground Nights to this, because this will be out almost like the day afterwards, so... I know, what a, what a massive step down this is. Mm. <laughs> how, is how is professional comedian and somehow involved with this mob? James Mallinger. He was in really, really good form. You, you, you spent hours editing the show. I'd have to say, Owen, mm-hmm. I know you spent a long, long time doing that. But um, thank you so, so much. But yeah, I thought it was, it was a real, r- really funny show. Yeah, it was good. I thought it came. I mean, I can say it's good because I was involved with it. I, no, I think I genuinely think it came out really well. I thought there was um, a good mix of chatting about stuff that I hadn't heard of before and was learning stuff, and then you know, obviously. Mentioning films I've seen years ago and bringing up like floods of memories back. It was really good. I enjoyed it. It was uh, a nice little trip through the weird, depraved, twisted minds of Paul Field and James Mullinger. Yep, that's spot on. Um, you can where where can people download it, Owen? Uh, that is at, <laughs> the internet is um the, probably the best place. It's on YouTube. It's on acast.com forward slash failed critics or failedcritics.com forward slash underground hyphen nights. Very all good. online, all on the internet, as Steve said. All on the internet, and no excuse not to go and listen to it. You listen, Steve. I have, yes. It's very good. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> right? Such a liar. <laughs> well, no, I like underground nights. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, straight into the quiz where Owen's 2-0 up, and I've got to do some redeeming of myself, or he's going to make me something, make me watch something worse than Spice World. Hmm. So, <laughs> you 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 might be in luck this week because Paul is notoriously bad at these quizzes. Notoriously bad. I've only ever been on the winning team once. Yeah, quite. So you might uh, pick up a point this week, Steve. But so, because this week's episode has uh, no main new release review at the end of it, we're doing a triple bill instead, which is on movie stars. So we'll probably come on to talk about what that means later about what we think. The, the word or the phrase movie star actually entails. But what I thought would be good for the quiz is I googled a list of movie stars who've earned the most money in 2015. So I've got the top mm. 10 highest earning actors from 2015 and I'm going to get you guys to tell me who is on that list. So we'll do it kind of like um, a game of snooker, I guess. One person can start and they can keep going until they guess an incorrect name. And then we'll switch to the next person. 
And it's whoever so, can come up with the most names. Okay? Okay. Clear? Mm-hmm. Do I need a coin? Do you want me to do a coin toss to see who goes first? Let's do it fairly, yeah. Right. I've got a coin. Uh, heads or tails? Who's having what? Heads. Paul, as the guest, what do you want? Uh, I'll heads. have heads, please, Owen. Yeah. Okay. So, if it is heads, Paul, what do you want to do? Go first or second? I'll go second. It's heads. So, Steve, you're up first. Right. So, you just have to keep this going, mate. Give me a name of an actor on the top ten. <laughs> for, for, for 2016, uh, Ben uh, 2015. Affleck. 2015, right, not Ben Affleck then, because he was, I was thinking 2015. Right, what films were out last year? Let's say Robert Downey Jr. He's on the list. He's, yeah. yeah, he's top, actually. Of course he so, is. RDJ, top. Mm. What um, else, Steve? Keep going. Right, so I think it was Age of Ultron. So let's go with... Scarlett Johansson. I'm just doing actors only, no actresses. All right, sexist pig. I, I am. It's just the first list that came up. <laughs> right. Chris Evans. Is not on the list. No. Mm. So it's over to you now, Paul. Um, DiCaprio. Is on the list, snuck in at 10th place. Oof. Um, oh, blimey. Daniel Craig. He isn't on the list, so <sighs> it's back to Steve. Wasn't there a Bond film out last year, though? Yeah, Spectre was out. Obviously, he didn't earn as much as some of the other people on this list. No. Um, Sylvester Stallone. No, he is not on the list. Back to you then, Paul. I don't know. George Clooney? Is not on the list. No. (laughs) Idris Elba? He's not on the list either. Kevin Hart? No. The Rock? The Rock is on there. Well done, Steve. Um... Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel? That's three down. Um, Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler is on there, yep. What else was going on in films last year? Is it all for acting work, or have you got like actors come directors on there? Uh, it's all. They're all just actors, mainly known for acting. Yeah. Okay. Sir Thomas of Hanks? <laughs> no, Tom Hanks isn't on there. Okay. So you've got four, so Paul, you've got to basically get the rest of the list to win. <laughs> um, Matt Damon? No, no, Matt Damon. For God's sake. Matt Damon. <laughs> this is the worst quiz ever. <laughs> We're fucking idiots. That's it. Unbelievable. Come on, Steve. Come on, two more. Uh, it's all men, isn't it? It's all men. Mm, not my speciality, men. <laughs> um... Right. Big Willie style. Not Will Smith. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Yes. So you've got two now. Keep going, Paul. Morgan Freeman. Isn't on the list, no. It's not. He's been in the news recently. Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. So you've got five. One more wins it. Okay. I'll give you another quick. This other guy is Chinese. Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan, my God! What's this he been in? Is this like the box office earnings that they've taken figures from, or these guys have actually filed their tax return, which have been, could have been money from films from three, four, five years ago? Because how has Jackie Chan made that list? Is he overseas films he's done? Do you see what I mean? It's, that's yeah. really confusing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a fucking shambles. Anyway, onto the news. <laughs> oh dear. 
And haven't, and haven't we done well, Owen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why have we done well, Steve? Oh, Christ knows. Well, I know why we've done well. I don't know how we've done well. Uh, we are the 17th best podcast in the United Kingdom. Almost in the best 100 in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what happened was the um, New Media Europe uh, podcast awards that we kept badgering people to vote in for the best UK podcast of 2016 finished today on the 30th of May. So it's over. We had 98 votes in total, which was just the two away from getting 100 votes in total, which Matt. is a real shame. But mm. that's another, yeah, you know, just give maths stats away for free there. Should charge. But instead, yeah, it's free. And we, yeah, two away from reaching 100. So I was a little bit disappointed. But then, you know, that settled down and I thought, fucking hell, we've had nearly 100 people vote for us. Mm, I mean, you've heard this quiz. You know what we're like. Do you know what? I've had nothing to do all day. I could have done a really nice quiz. Mm. 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 <laughs> anyway, uh, other news. Tom Hiddleston is pretty much going to be next James Bond. What do we think? Well, mm. Paul, you are our Bond expert. You've well watched all. You're a big fan of the Bond series. so Well, I was until Daniel Craig took over, who was the worst Bond ever. And then they got Mendes in to direct, and he's the worst Bond director ever. So, do you know what? E- even if they bring in a fucking a retired lollipop man from Dunedin, I'll be more than happy. So well, you're not a fan? Basically. No, I, don't. I, I Hiddleston. Do you know what? I'm sure he'll be fine. It's more about the director. I mean, do you know what? I, Spectre wasn't that bad, to be fair. It was the, the I managed to get through it all. Um, Skyfall. I think I've been on record as that I I left halfway through to go and buy a toaster from Asda. <laughs> I was so bored in the cinema. I just couldn't wait to get out of there. I thought it was absolutely awful. Um, so, yeah, who knows? But I think the director's going to be far more important because um, it's just, mm-hmm. I want it to be fun. Bond should be fun. I don't like all this. I don't want dark, serious Bond. It's just, it's just ugh, it's awful. Do you want, do you want to well, it's on just... the moon Bond? I do. The Don't whole you... thing, though, with uh, Bond through the noughties was that it, it was trying to compete and fit into the, the genre as it was at the time, though, wasn't it? It was competing with Bourne and then, of course, Taken, which is more adult-focused. Than yeah. Bourne. But it was, you know, it was that whole style of it's edgy, it's dark, it's, you know, this, that and the other. And so you can kind of understand why they reinvented the character in that way, surely. I, I get it. Or do you it. not agree that it should have been? I think it's all about when you grew up and who you grew up with as your bond. And Roger Moore was always my bond. So that was quite, quite campy and quite funny. And um, yeah, so that's, do you see what I mean? I mean, I'm guessing mm-hmm. for you, when you, who was your bond growing up? Well, Pierce Brosnan, te- Brosnan. technically, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Did you like Pierce Brosnan's bond? You must Golden have loved Eye. Goldeneye. Both of you must have loved Goldeneye. Yeah, I did. I, w- I watched it again about a year, I, I, just before Spectre, actually, and I thought it was a bit naff, to be honest. I wasn't a big fan on the rewatch. And, you know, I just, I've just i never been a, a huge fan of Bond in general, to be honest. I liked some of the Sean Connery ones. I've enjoyed some of the Roger Moore ones. I just don't... It's never been something that I've gotten into in a big way. Um, but that said, I do like the idea of Tom Hiddleston as James Bond. I think he's got the kind of... If they're going to move Bond away from the Daniel Craig 
all action hero sort of character, Hiddleston will bring it back more towards the charming, sophisticated sort of guy. Yeah, which I want to see. Gentlemanly Bond, you know. Well, shagging loads of birds, Bond is what I'm looking forward to seeing. So let's hope he goes down that road. I I can't see him as a Bond, but perhaps that's because I've been had. You know, Daniel Craig has been kind of a more you know, beefed up action Bond, and you just kind of think of Hillston, who's not really, doesn't seem to be that kind of. Yeah, well, that's know. what I mean. They'll, they'll, they'll just change the direction of the character again. You know, they try and fit the zeitgeist, don't they, the Bond films? He does look quite weedy, though, Hiddleston, doesn't he? I mean, I'm, I've only, I've, I've, uh, I've only, I've not seen him in much, to be fair, but he, he was all right in the night. Is it the night manager? Mm-hmm. I still haven't finished it, but he was all right in that. Did you watch High Rise? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. He wasn't yeah. particularly weedy in that. But, I mean, I think that he's just that public schoolboy. You could see him in a tuxedo sort of yeah. character, right? Exactly. So it's 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 not going to be more Daniel Craig Bond, but it'll be a different, newer, more uh, intellectual sort of Bond, possibly. Craig's just a massive... You know, ungrateful bellend. You don't. I can't. I remember another actor who's played Bond and then moaned and huffed and puffed about having to do it again. I mean, just, what a tosser! Well, just mm. don't do it again. Exactly. But um, yeah. Anyway, final part of news is there's going to be a new Halloween film. John Carpenter is going to return to the franchise. He hasn't been involved with the third since the third one. And what ones is going to be Owen as our resident horror film fan? Oh, fucking hell. That's a good question. It must 27th? be ninth. <laughs> I think it's probably the ninth one, isn't it? Because you oh, had yeah. five and then, what, Resurrection. Uh, I suppose if you count the Rob the Zombie films as well. Because, you know, he remade a couple of them. Uh, yeah, He's only a producer, a though, isn't he? Yeah, Carpenter's back as producer. But he only produced the second and third ones in the series. Um, because his vision for Halloween was that they wouldn't just be a series of Michael Myers films. You know, he wanted to change it with each one, which is why Season of the Witch, the third Halloween film, is just so completely different to the rest. Because it's not really anything to do with Michael Myers. It's this whole fucking happy Halloween sort of thing with the poison pumpkins. Have you seen Season of the Witch? You must have seen it, Paul. Um, I don't think I have. A long time ago, mate. Honestly, yeah. it's, it's, it's... The thing about Carpenter now, though, he's more interested in... Like knocking out his uh, his albums, I think it's his sons. He does his music now in his garage, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. releases them on vinyl. We had a couple of singles out uh, only last week. I think Halloween and um, Assault on Precinct Seventeen. They came out on twelve inch. I got his yeah. new album about a month ago on super duper purple vinyl, and I think and he's doing some gigs in London. That's where his focus is. So even though he's producing this, I bet he does the bloody music, and I bet he tries to sell a load of albums off it. <laughs> telling you well, now you look out for mm-hmm. that yeah I mean him and his music is kind of synonymous with the Halloween films anyway isn't it That's it is but I don't going, think he ever actually sold much music off the back of that mm. whereas now he is yeah I mean we we did induct him into our corridor of play, uh, praise earlier this year with James back for that one so you know it's kind of right that we should cover his films but by the same token he doesn't really make lots of great films, does he, John Carpenter? I mean, he's got classics. Of course he's got classics, Halloween being one of them, but he's not a very consistent filmmaker. 
the last was it? I can't remember the last one I saw. I think it might have been the Ward, which was just garbage. Mm. So I mean, I, I will keep my fingers crossed. I will see the new Halloween film when it comes out. Uh, but yeah, I can't think of no another director who's, who's kind of getting more goodwill from kind of past glories than him at the moment. Mm. Yeah, that's no, a good question. Um, but yeah, here we will see how how that pans out once it's all all made. In this part of the podcast, we are going to be doing what we like to call "What We've Been Watching," where we review some films we've seen in the last seven days. Owen, why don't you start off because you've seen something relatively new? Relatively new and relatively recently, I got back from seeing it about an hour and a half ago. Actually, so it's still kind of fresh in my mind. I don't really know much about the film, how it was put together, who was behind it, other than the fact it's Michael Bay. But it was the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film, uh, which is called Out of the Shadows. And I went in with pretty low expectations. I did see the previous film in the cinema, came out in 2014, which uh, I remember being very surprised by not hating it as much as I hated the Transformers films. Because again, just Michael Bay's name is attached to it. It's a thing from something I watched as a kid that I remember enjoying as a kid. And to see it being remade, I felt a little bit disappointed, I think. And, you know, that just happens all the time now, doesn't it? I mean, Ghostbusters, for example, is getting a, a remake and stuff. So I went into the the first one feeling somewhat uh, reluctant about having to go and see it to review it. And it turned out it was average. It wasn't appalling, um, which I was shocked by. Uh, and from what I heard about this sequel, going in to see this as well, was that it was better than the first one. That's all the uh, all that I knew. It had Krang, who was back, the little pink brain alien thing that's inside of a robot's body. Uh, it had Bebop and Rocksteady, who were, who were returning as sort of henchmen who weren't in the first film, but were obviously famous from the cartoon and the comics. And it had uh, basically continued the story from where it left off. And again, it's just average. It's just an average, it, I want to say inoffensive film. The first film did cause offence from the way that it kind of had very exploitative uh, humour with Megan Fox in it, where she was basically eye candy for the entire film the first time round. And I, I wasn't as offended by it as I know a lot of other people were because, yeah, it's a bit crude and a bit crass. And at the same time, it's a film that is made for... 13-year-old boys, really. I mean, that's its target demographic. And when I was a 13-year-old boy, that's the kind of film I probably would have liked. And Out of the Shadows is pretty much more of the same, except it is less exploitative. Megan Fox has one scene where she is basically there to be the sexy woman character. And then from then on, she's just the annoying reporter character who gets in the way. Um, Comedy in it is about the same level but the audience in the cinema seemed to really enjoy it there was a lot of laughs from around me I don't know whether it was just goodwill from the fact that it's a uh, uh, bank holiday Monday and there was lots of kids in there and you know but there were lots of laughs around me I yeah, personally wasn't are, laughing kids so are stupid they are stupid like, proper but, stupid but at the same time this is who this film is for 
You know, I'm under no illusions that me watching this as a 29-year-old adult is going to find flaws in the way that it's structured, in the story, in, you know, the characterization. Everyone's just a, a blank 2D version of... Uh, this guy is the brainy character. This one's a bit goofy. Oh, he's all muscle. This guy's the quiet leader thing. And they play on that in within the film. Um, but, I mean, they don't progress the characters at all. They don't learn anything. They But, like, it's a kid's film. It's not meant to be. It's just a, a blockbuster-y, action-y, bank holiday Monday sort of film. And so I find it very difficult to criticise it for being what it was intended to be. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it was okay. I, the CGI in it was actually really good. I thought it, it looked really good. There were a few ropey bits with Bebop and Rocksteady. Uh, I would have, personally, just because of the nostalgia element, liked to have seen Krang in it for more than two scenes. And Shredder was pointless again. Uh, but uh, they're just minor quibbles in a film. I've got nothing more than minor quibbles of it. Because I can't just muster any energy to slag it off. It's just not deserving of being slagged off. It's not deserving of being praised to the heavens. It's just just Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's all it is. So if it sounds like it's going to be your kind of thing, you're probably going to go and see it anyway. If it doesn't sound like it's your sort of film, you're probably not going to see it at all. There's no middle ground on this. That's just It just is what it is. Okay. I, I know you're similar age to me, Steve. You, were you a fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I was of like the cartoons and that, and I had all the action figures and toys and things, mm-hmm. um, and a couple of the like the console games. Yeah, um, yeah I like. But them. I know you I, saw the trailer I, for this, and you, you, I remember was having a conversation about the trailer for the sequel, and you were really kind of disappointed with how shit it looked from the trailer. I hated the first film as well. And you hated the first film. I thought it was exactly. boring. I just thought it was mm. terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, terrible film. Um, yeah. so, I mean, yeah, I didn't I think it... To, to be fair, be... it's not boring. It isn't boring. There's lots of stuff going on. I watched Warcraft before it and was on the verge of falling asleep. I literally shut my eyes for a minute so I could just think, oh, I just can't be asked to watch this shit anymore. It's so beyond being dull. It's, it's just dull beyond measure, that film. Whereas at least this has lots of stuff going on in it. Mm. So. I, I won't go to the cinema and watch it. I'll probably watch it when it comes to Netflix or Sky Go or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, but yeah. Um, the film I've seen was, for the first time, uh, the Shane Black written and produced Long Kiss Goodnight, starring uh, Samuel L. Jackson and a lesser-spotted letter Gina Davis. Nice. She she was she was massive in films for a bit, and now she's doing like Stuart Little Four on video on demand and stuff. I still haven't seen The Longest Good Night. I'm a big fan of Shane Blacks, but it's one of those uh, uh, black spots for me. I still haven't actually gotten around to to watching it's, it. I liked it. It's definitely um, well. I I could see. I could understand if um, the Bourne films were perhaps inspired by the the story a bit in mm-hmm. this because Gina Davis's character is a is a school teacher it starts off but she was found washed up on a beach eight years before the film started pregnant with amnesia um, that wasn't the name of the baby by the way her <laughs> had amnesia and she was pregnant um, <laughs> good joke that wasn't it very good, good. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
and it sort of turns out that she was actually a like CIA tri- trained assassin, and, and she's been trying. She's been having all these private detectives look into her past life, which Samuel L. Jackson's character is that person. Um, it's not the best film by any means, but it is it, good. It's enjoyable. It's a it's a decent plot with um, some good twists. Samuel L. Jackson's really good in this, um, and Gina Davis is is okay as well. Um, yeah, it's one. Of, I've seen probably most of Shane Black's films, but this one had kind of passed me by a bit like it had with, with Owen. I'm guessing Paul's seen it from his reaction to my admittance of watching it. Yeah, absolutely, mate, but 20 years ago... Yeah. <laughs> mate, I can't remember who was in, in films last year. Don't ask me about The Longest <laughs> Goodnight from 20 years ago. Yeah. But uh, it's a it's strange career trajectory for Gina Davis um she was in that cutthroat island which I watched and then reviewed <laughs> and it that was that was terrible and I think that was the start of the end for her film career um they might as yeah. well have just chucked money into a cannon and blasted it into the sea with cutthroat island that's all that film was just it was boring garbage. spectacle after... Math- Matthew Modine wasn't it as well hmm ruined oh, two people tragedy that was but yeah, her sort of her film career has been quite sporadic since then. Um, it's very awesome. since the long since the long kiss goodnight. Her next three films are all Stuart Little films. Ouch. Um, and she mm. kind of had a recurring role in in Grey's Anatomy, so it doesn't even fly as a regular role. Apparently, though, she's in a TV adaptation of The Exorcist, where she's going to be playing a lead role. Didn't even know there was yeah. going to be one. Um, no, neither did I. Another clue. But but there is. It's going to. Series was commissioned on May the tenth of this year, so um, later this year, I suppose it'll be out. Anyway, yeah, though I really like the long, uh, long kiss. It's one of those films, you know, kind of action thriller with a, a few plot twists along the way. Can't say too much about it because it'll give away what exactly happens, but you can certainly see where the Bourne films might have been inspired by at least the idea of the plot. Mm. Yeah, so you you mentioned as well you've seen um, most of Shane Black's films. Last Boy Scout is probably my favourite of his, I think. But I I was only mentioning it because uh, the Nice Guys. I I also saw that. I was I really wanted to review that this week, but I thought I'll wait until it comes out so we can review it together again because I know you're also really interested in seeing the Nice Guys with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. Yeah, which is written by Shane uh, Black. I th- I think. Um... When you're talking Shane Black film, what are you talking as writer, director, as as both, or one? Well, writer, writer. I mean, that's what he's kind of he is. Because he obviously wrote Lethal Weapon. Um, He wrote Lethal Weapon. Love Lethal Weapon. There's also a TV adaptation of that I found today as well. Is there? Have Damon Wayne's. I was looking through Shane Black films. I went on to from Last Boy Scout to Damon Wayne's Wikipedia page where he's going to be playing. uh, Is it Murtar in a TV adaptation of? Leave a weapon. I was thinking, what the bloody hell's going on? Mm. My uh, yeah, my favourite Shane Black film is actually Kiss Kiss Bang Bang mm-hmm. with Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer. If you haven't yeah. seen that, it's awesome. But he directs that though. Um, yeah, he writes it as well, I think. But the Nice Guys is similar. It's very very similar to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. In fact, the Nice Guys is like uh, just a series of Shane Black moments compiled into one seventies. Comedy, thriller, noir. Just great stuff. Really good. Um, 
Yeah, he also obviously Iron Man three is is mm-hmm. one of the nice guys. His most recent big hit. Mm-hmm. Um, getting him into the Marvel universe. Paul, what have you seen? I saw a film called um, Victoria, um, which is out in the UK this week on uh, Blu-ray uh, and DVD. Um, real simple setup. It's uh, basically a night goes horribly wrong. A Spanish girl. Um, she is in Berlin for three months. She hooks up with these four idiots in a nightclub. Um, They kind of follow her outside. They get talking. They start hanging out very slow. It's just them walking around Berlin, drinking, going into shop, you know, completely bland, dull. All of a sudden, things start to take a bit of a turn for the worse. And what ensues is they get involved in a, a robbery. The, the girl, she becomes the, the getaway driver. Um, and it's really, really dark. Here's the kicker, though. It's all shot in one take. And it's two hours and 20 minutes. And we're not talking about one location here. They're in a club. They're in a shop. They're in the street. They're being, you know, uh, being followed by the police. They do a robbery. They, they're, they're being chased. This is so mad it's a proper roller coaster of a film but to do that in one take is absolutely ridiculous i just is cannot it genuinely one take or absolutely. is it one take like birdman is one take which no. is actually just loads of no 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 no, no. genuinely in one take the deal was they, they 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 did it on the third attempt and funding they only got funding on the basis that if it went tits that he would edit it and and, and cut it to make a film still um, it's just phenomenal how they could do that. She, the, the, the cast, a lot of it's obviously ad lib because there's no way they're going to remember all this mm. in real time over two and a half hours. And it's so good. The the scene um, after the robbery is so tense. I was literally like, oh my God, my heart's <laughs> in my mouth. It is really, really well done. And the, the four people in it, uh, the four sort of German guys... It's done in three languages as well. A lot of it's in English. Um, some of it's in German. And the girls, obviously, when she gets under pressure, start speaking Spanish. And it, it was put forward for the German Oscar, uh, as the German entry for the Oscars. But the Academy banned it because it had too much English. Oh, really? Yeah, which is criminal. When you see it, and Owen, I think you're going to absolutely love this. You'll, you'll, you'll see why. The, I mean, the camera, how they've done this, I don't know. This, you know, they're going up really steep ladders to get onto a roof, and I'm thinking, how the hell is he going to do this without making it, you know, in one take? And they just manage it effortlessly. It's <laughs> really, really clever. The only downside is, because you know this going into it, you kind of, not pulls you out of the film a little bit, but you are aware of it. You're almost trying to catch them out. Do you see what I mean? You're concentrating mm-hmm. on the technical yeah, yeah. aspect, not just the story. But yeah, really, really, really good. Um, and I saw one other thing in the last week, which is actually I've watched it twice now, which if you have uh, listened to Underground Nights' new episode, you, you'll know we talked about Clown the movie. Um, there's now a sequel called Clown Forever, which is a Danish film um, featuring two people I've spent an awful lot of time with it feels like over the last few weeks Casper 
and Frank, they have a TV show in Denmark. There are 60 episodes, and I've watched all of them now. It's about two comedians. It's a fictionalised version of their real lives, so like a bastardised version of them. They're entertainers and comedians in, in, their, uh, in Denmark, quite famous. And in, in this film, Casper, uh, who's the slightly bigger star, announces that he's going off to L.A., and poor, poor Frank is absolutely crestfallen. And within a few days, he, he goes over to L.A. to to find Casper and trying to convince him to come back home. And, yeah, it, it very similar to the first one. I mean, there's a scene that very, out of nowhere, having breakfast, Frank's wife announced, oh, Casper's been sending Frank naked pictures. And her parents then, her, her mum's like, oh, let me see. And it's over his phone. And there's a picture of what, what Casper calls a standing 69. And <laughs> on the subtitles, it comes up with, um, hmm, th- what's that? Oh, well, that's gag drool from when his cock keeps hitting the back of her throat. Nice. So that, yes, lovely. It pretty much follows that scene, that, that theme through the rest of the film. Um, my favourite bit is when Casper explains what a pussy snout is. Um, when he's doing the stand in 69, you get your nose right in there and give them three big blasts of air from your nose. Uh, and that's a, that's a pussy snout, apparently. Very good for your constitution, according to Casper. It, it follows their kind of mishaps in LA. Frank is always causing problems you've got a little bit of stunt casting in this one which i'm not normally a fan of but um the guy for he managed to massively offend the guy from maroon 5 he managed to um upset the guy from game of thrones i can't remember his name you know the danish one who plays jamie lannister mm-hmm. but the stunt casting is done in a way where rather than kind of being all over these people they just like frank fucking hates them and just really dismissive of them which is brilliant they're there and they know they're going to be made fun of which you know fair play to them because a lot of this stunt casting is all it's a massive suck up isn't it yeah ooh, look who's in my film well whereas in this in this film they just take the mickey out of them yeah again I, you need to see the first clown really to get the, the most out of this is nothing less so you'll appreciate the eye patch that um, his mother-in-law is wearing. And then you've, you've got this lots of set pieces from this m- mad sort of tag team sex scene where there's this horrible, horrible revenge is, is played out um, where Frank agrees to let Casper do something just horrendous. There's a bit with a dog where I, just never ever want to see anything like that again in my whole life this is proper balls out gross out there's like nothing you'll ever see in the uk or in the states these guys are absolute geniuses at it and it's although it sounds disgusting the way they they bring it to the big screen is so likable and so effortless it's it's really really funny i mean i did obviously listen to the Undergoing nights as I was editing it, and I was trying. I was trying to think. This just doesn't sound like anything that should be funny. It just doesn't sound like it should be funny. But the fact that you were sort of—I think it was a, a bit of a shock when um, Mullinger said it. Sort of after you made him watch it, and he was like, 
But you just like the characters. But you just oh, can't help but like them. Cannot think... help but like them. Casper is an absolute monster. But mm. he's just... You can't help but like him. It's kind of like when you like Stealth Fox in Kill Your Friends. Mm-hmm. But even more so, he really is utterly, utterly likeable. I can't recommend them enough. They really are. There's nobody listening to this podcast who's not going to watch both of those films and absolutely love them. Can I ask a question that I don't think I remember being covered on Underground Nights, but how did you find out about Cloud? How was the first... How did you first, like, come across it? I... It was... I think it was after TIFF in 2010. I was looking at some bloggers' um, festival picks. Mm-hmm. And whenever the big festivals come around, I quite often I like to try and see stuff. And usually, the only stuff you can see that's at TIFF is foreign because it may have been mm-hmm. out the year before. Mm-hmm. And that was how I came across it. It was number one on someone's list, and 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 it was available to watch as well. Brilliant. Yeah. Good tip. Yep, Steve. You'll. I promise you, you'll love it. I promise you. Okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Here is a welcome return to Triple Bill. We're very little released at the box office this week. We've um, gone and had a look at what actors or actresses we think are box office ourselves by our Triple Bill being us picking three people from the film world that we consider to be movie stars. stars, Depending on how you define the term. Well, I did look on Wikipedia. And I just had to look for movie star. And what comes up with movie star is a movie star, also known as a film star and cinema star, is a celebrity who is well known or famous for his or her starring or leading roles in motion pictures. And it goes on to say, according to an online dictionary, a movie star is an actor or actress who is famous for playing lead roles in movies. Now, I mean, I'm happy for you guys to bend that as much as it possibly can be bent to fit whichever actors or actresses you've chosen. Because it's quite a vague term, isn't it, movie star? It can mean all sorts of different things, really. I mean, how how have you guys interpreted that that phrase? Well, (laughs) (laughs) I've taken a massive liberty with uh, a couple of choices, actually. One's quite a traditional one, but I, for me, first and foremost is will I watch anything that they do? Mm-hmm. And as long as they could tick that box, that was good enough for me. Okay, that's quite interesting. I mean, I considered adding people to my list, like um, uh, Song Kanko or Mads Mikkelsen, um, but I think they're slightly beyond simply being uh, cushioned as uh, with a movie star tag if you know what I mean. Because to mm-hmm. me, they're legitimate actors who put in consistently brilliant performances. And I think to label them as movie stars maybe diminishes slightly what they actually do. To me, if, if you've excluded Song Kang Ho, then politics <laughs> are so far removed from there. That's just incredible. Right, okay. Yeah, I mean, to me, though, a movie star is just someone that can get by on name alone. And I think someone who... It, who it isn't out of the realms of possibility for them to to blow you away with an excellent performance, but by, by the same token, will get hired for a role simply because that's you know I don't know Liam Neeson or that's Sir Anthony Hopkins or or whoever they may be. You know they want the name to their film, and those guys are quite happy to turn up as the name. Whereas I think people like Sang, Song Kang Ko or Mads Mikkelsen, who I mentioned, 
you get the impression that they're acting their fucking asses off in every film they do. So that's how I've defined it. So, Steve, you, you've been a bit quiet. What was your rationale? It was pretty much what you said. Movie star is somebody who is a huge box office draw who people will go and see regardless of what film it is. And they'll just go see it because it's a new whoever film. So like some um, classics I thought it might be covered by are people like Marilyn Monroe, for example. You know, never known for her acting ability, but was a movie star. She was a Hollywood film star. And that was enough for people to want to see her films. Um, so I suppose nowadays you get people like George Clooney, who's, uh, you know, he's had a couple of good stints in, in roles, but mainly he's George Clooney. You know, he's not that guy who played such and such. So, you know, his new film, Money Monster, is the whole reason we timed this triple bill for when we did. Because he was the first... I mean, when, when I saw his name last, I thought, well, we could do a triple bill about movie stars. That's George Clooney all over. So we did have some suggestions from Twitter as well. And, and uh, Sam Hesketh at Abject tweeted in. He said Kurt Russell and Sam Rockwell, as well as picking uh, George Clooney. So it wasn't just me thinking that. But I mean, mm. uh, yeah. Um, do you want me to go through some of the other Twitter suggestions? Should we, should, we we do, should we do them at the end in case they cross over with ours? Let's leave them to the end. Yeah. We, should yeah. we do a, a little round robin and count them down? I think okay. so. Go on then, Paul. You go first. Well, mine number three is actually uh, a tie between two guys who uh, intrinsically linked anyway in their film careers. Uh, and I will watch these two guys in anything literally anything however they've virtually done nothing uh, and that's jeff anderson and trevor Furman. do you know who either of them are i no. have no idea who that is uh, one's randall in clerks and the other one is elias <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, clerks yeah, yeah, yeah. too yeah yeah now i still wear i'm wearing one now one of the t-shirts that, that randall wears in in all of the viewerskew films i mean he literally has done, apart from the Kevin Smith film, um, he did an amazing film called Now You Know back in 2002, which starred uh, an unknown Rashida Jones at the time. And it's absolutely hysterical. He went on and, and obviously has done the Kevin Smith films. But other than that, he's not really done anything. The last work that he had after Zach and Miri made a porno was... Um, he did a voice in a cartoon in uh, one episode in 2011. That's it. Hmm. But I would genuinely, it, you know, if he was if he was doing a signing in Glasgow, I'm there. I love this guy. I will watch anything he's in. And, the, and for Trevor Furman, it gets worse. He's only ever done three films. <laughs> he was um, Biscuit in Now You Know with Jeff Anderson. And he... Um, was the lead in a film called Cheats, where he played a character called, called Handsome, about these kids who cheat on their exams, which, again, is absolutely brilliant. Nobody's seen it, obviously, because I have no idea why. Um, and then he was absolutely amazing as that nerd Elias in Clerks 2, who Jeff Anderson brutalises for the whole fucking film. Just amazing. Not done anything since. So, yeah, that, those are, that's my pick for my number three. Okay, Owen? It's a very obscure choice. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get this out of the way. I'm just going to get it out of the way. I think you're both expecting it. John claude Van Damme, of course. John claude Van Damme. 
It's my first choice, the muscles and bustles, because I just think he's, to me, he is the actor who's, uh, I use that term lightly, I think, for the majority of his performances, but he's the guy who, I will see on Netflix, there's this film out, it's got John Claude Van Damme's name in it, he's probably in it for 10 seconds as a background ancillary character, but I'll watch it for that, and then I'll be extremely disappointed, but I'll go back and watch the others, I'll keep watching more. I just I just find him uh, this force on screen. You know, he just compels me to watch whatever he's in. And you, you know, he's done, he hasn't been in great films. He's been in a majority of quite poor films, in, even um, particularly some of his more recent choices. But I just think that he's a movie star. He's a film star. He's a name. He's he's the guy who's like. If you if you see a film poster, Van Damme is at the top of it before even the title of the film because that's the draw. That's what people are picking up that DVD in the garden centre, you know, bucket by the counter and seeing three for ten quid on there and going, mm, yeah, all right, I'll take a punt on that one. You know, it's that's that's who he is. Uh, that's not to again diminish any sort of uh, credibility that he's got in terms of his his acting ability. He's actually. If you watch him in something like JCVD, you think, crikey, this, he can act when he wants to, when he can turn it on. Uh, he's, he's got it in him to actually be more than just the muscles from Brussels. He, there's something more to him. There's a bit of depth to, to his performances, a bit of nuance to some of the, the way that he portrays some of the characters. And I think maybe the, the tag of he's that guy who's in Bloodsport. He's the kickboxer. He's the hard target guy. Um, the guy with the mullet, the kickboxing guy, the roundhouse kicking guy, you know, that kind of sticks with him and probably ensured that he actually had a fucking movie career in the first place. But uh, by the same token, I think he's he's just a movie star to me. He's the name. And that's uh, that's why he's my first first choice. Okay. Again, someone else that I was... uh, behind getting inducted into our Corridor of Praise a couple of years ago. Uh, with my triple bill, I've gone for uh, one who's on the way out, one who's had a bit of a meteoric rise, and one who has always been at the top and ain't going away anywhere very soon. Um, the one who's on the way out, for me, is, is Big Willie style, Will Smith. <laughs> Um, stopped rapping theme songs for his films, and since then it's just plummeted. Um, he is a very charismatic guy on and off screen, and he seems like quite a charming guy as well, despite what religious beliefs he may have, and if he's a Scientologist and all a bit weird and that, um, and, he's, and his son seems to be an absolute mental. Um, but yeah, he's, he's obviously quite a versatile actor as well. You have him in action films like bad boys and independence day um you have him in in things like men in black where there's a bit of comedy as well and you have him in serious roles where he has been oscar nominated although not managed to win himself one yet so you've had like ali the pursuit of happiness and seven pounds but latterly he's just making films that just don't want you know think even if this is will smith do i really want to go and see it after earth was terrible focus wasn't great i mean concussion was obviously very well received and but wasn't kind of a, a big hit suicide squad you're not going to see that because will smith's in it um 
Yeah, he's making Bad Boys three. He's made Men in Black three. Um, it just doesn't seem like he is what he used to be. Yeah, yeah, I, that's true. He's not the um, the draw that he perhaps once was. The fact he's not coming back for Independence Day two as well is a bit of a blow, isn't it? Oh, I didn't realise he wasn't in it. Oh, no, oh, guys. No. Uh, I think he was I, the best thing in that by miles, and I love that film. I, yeah, it just sort of seems to be... I mean, I Am Legend, I thought, was an okay film, but his performance was brilliant. Um, and it, with a better script and, and not a, such a stupid ending, it would have been a, a really good film with a really good central performance. But, oh, I love that film as well. I thought it was um, amazing. Yeah, you're kind of <laughs> kind of looking... Since 2000... So it's, it's 2008 he made Hancock, which I think was okay, but could have been a lot better. Uh, it was a good idea. And seven it was two pounds. halves of a film, wasn't it? Mm. I mean, there was two different films squished together yeah. for Hancock. Uh, and then Seven Pounds as well. And then then he didn't make anything for a while. They'd Men in Black three, four years later. And then After Earth. And since After Earth, it seems to have just sort of steadily gone downhill. Um, I mean, Suicide Squad could be okay. Bad Boys 3 probably won't be. And, and you know, you're just thinking, well, you know. Mm. He, he's on. He's on the wane. Definitely. He seems to have spent an awful lot of time trying to get, you know, give his kid a career rather than worrying about himself. Well, that, that's that's um, that's to be commended, I suppose, because his, his son seems to be a right wally. <laughs> <laughs> like, properly. I, do you know what? I, I, I don't think I've ever seen him interviewed or anything, so I, I really don't know. Um, uh, yeah, but anyway, um, back to you, Paul, for your... Well, my second one kind of follows on from the previous one in that I kind of looked through this guy's filmography and, and looked at the titles that I've actually paid money to, to, to see, and in most cases buy on DVD. I, I'm going to run through some of them, see if you can guess who it is. Money Shot, Rock Jocks, Zombie Hamlet, Chick Magnet, Pool Boy. Big Money Rustlers, Midgets versus Mascots, High Hopes, My Big Fat Independent Movie, Paulie Shore is Dead, High Times and Potluck, and The Blair Clown Project. Mm. Absolutely no fucking idea whatsoever on that one. Steve? No. No. It's Muse. It's always Muse. It's Jason Muse. (laughs) Jason Muse. (laughs) I... Well, when I say I'll watch him in anything, that list <laughs> tells you all you need to know. I I watched him in a, in a film with Paris Hilton, which I bought on DVD, where he wears a sailor suit. And let me tell you, Paris Hilton is a fucking shit actress. <laughs> all of those films are absolutely terrible. All of them. But as soon as I see he's got a new film out, I have to watch it. Um, the less said about that, the better, really. <laughs> what do you want uh, me to do? See, it is what it is. Mm. Uh, Owen, what's your choice at number two? Number two is an actor who was one of the... Well, I think he was actually the second highest earning actor of 2015, according to Forbes. It was Jackie Chan, who, of course, is known for his own stunt, doing his own stunts, uh, 
his films are kind of inspired by uh, Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd and all those old silent film comedy actors. And I think it shows in his own brand of comedy because his films are particularly his older, say, sort of late 70s through to early 90s films are really quite funny. You know, there's a lot of physical humour in it. It's very slapstick, but there's there's great comic timing in them. And just like amazing set pieces that he uses in his films. And I've loved him ever since I first watched him in uh, The Drunken Master and Police Story and Master with Cracked Fingers and Project A and all that stuff, um, which I came across just by chance. I think the uh, a lot of stuff I came across by chance because of the sci-fi channel. I think I must have been 13, 14. And it was like at midnight on a Friday. They would show uh, foreign movies. Usually that would mean either an anime or a sort of um, kung fu film. And that's how I discovered a lot of things like Jackie Chan's uh, older cat- catalogue of, fo- of films through that. And then, of course, you grow up, grow up to like stuff like, uh, you know, when they started doing more mainstream stuff in the 90s, uh, Mr. Nice Guy, Who Am I? And obviously Rush Hour and those sort of, uh, those sort of films that came afterwards. And I still love the guy even now. I watched a ton of his films around this time last year, I think, or maybe a bit earlier. And I was just amazed by how many of them still stood up as being decent comedies. And I think it's because of that comedy aspect about how the stunts and the the gags and the physical side of it is just timeless. It translates really well because you don't have to listen to it in its... um, original language if you don't want to you could watch it with subtitles and it would still be just as funny um but yeah i just i just really love jackie chan films it's kind of him and bruce lee i was torn between choosing one or the other for this list because of the sort of iconic nature of both of them and i just thought you know what jackie chan's the guy i actually love and he's had more films and i've even some of his newer stuff as well which can be sort of not fantastic as well. Um, and it's particularly as he tried to move away from doing action films into more kind of thrillers or at one point he wanted to do romantic comedies and I don't think that ever happens, thank fuck. But at the, at the same time, yeah, it's just it's just Jackie Chan, isn't he? I just love the guy. Just love him. Can I and just fact, ask, did you say he was number two on that list? He was number two on Forbes' highest earners of... Even though he didn't really do any films in 2015, mm-hmm. do you think it's because he's got 123 acting credits and owns the production company which sells these films to <laughs> millions of Chinese people that he made all Could that money? Possibly be, yeah. Mm. Also on that list, which I omitted because I thought we would we would get nowhere, uh, were three Bollywood actors. Who right. I just thought, oh, let's not have those. We'll just have ones that we could actually <laughs> get. But okay, yeah, well, my second choice is one that's had a pretty big rise in the last few years. That is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, he is pretty box office now. When he when he first kind of came out of wrestling, he did The Mummy Returns and The Scorpion King, but he also did kind of like a lot of um, sort of family films, and it kind of looked like he might go down that route. So he's doing like Gridiron Gang. Um, Tooth Fairy. Tooth Fairy, Tooth Fairy yep. Um, the game plan and a few mm. films like that, but he sort of got in, got called into the the Fast and Furious franchise in 2011 with Fast Five. Got absolutely massive, like he's huge. 
Like, mm-hmm. if you watch him when he started wrestling, he's big then. He's not that big. He's, like, three times bigger now. It's ridiculous. He's absolutely fucking enormous. Just, it's unnatural, and it's quite scary. Did you see there was a guy online who tried to follow his diet? Yeah. For a month. He did it for a month, and he just almost doubled in size. Yeah. By doing all of his exercise and eating all the things that The Rock apparently eats without using steroids, supposedly. Uh, allegedly, he doesn't. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's unnatural. It just doesn't look like a human being anymore. But, you know, you'll see, so any of the Fast and Furious films in San Andreas, which I thought was just a good, stupid action disaster film. Um, any, you know, Pain and Gain, um, Anything you see him in that, he's actually quite funny as well. Um, but you just think the rock, right? I'll go and see that because he is like Will Smith, I suppose. Not a good actor as Will Smith by any means, but like he's charismatic, he's charming, he's funny, as well as being a, just as a all out action star. He's going to be in a Baywatch and Jumanji remake next year, <laughs> as well as Fast and Furious 8. And he's getting his own spin off, Fast and Furious, isn't he? I've not heard that, but I will believe you if you say it's true. I believe that's the rumour. And he's also going to be in the DC universe of films. Yeah. Because he'll I... be Black Adam. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not quite as racist a character as it seems. Ju- it's it's, it's on the verge. Black... <laughs> Is he just a black man called Adam? He's an Egyptian man from ancient Egyptian times. Yeah. So he's okay. kind of racist. Kind of racist. Uh, Paul, what's your final choice, and are we going to have heard of him? <laughs> oh, definitely, because it's Nicolas Cage. Yeah, had to be on the list. Oh, the, misunderstood genius, possibly. <laughs> you know, he's worked with Werner Herzog, David Lynch, Martin Scorsese. Those guys alone tell you everything you need to know about him. However, he is batshit mental. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make any sense in interviews. A lot of the time he talks complete nonsense. The guy's a fucking lunatic. And I'm sorry for any kind of mental health advocates, but, you know, he's fully functioning. He's earning millions of dollars, but he is batshit mental. Um, he, he has a kind of batshit cage filmography, which is you've got Matchstick Men, The Wicker Man, Kick-Ass, um, there's Raising Arizona, Face-Off, Wild at Heart. Then you get to the top. The real ones where he's proper fucking loony. Bad <laughs> Lieutenant. Oh, it's just great, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. Deadfall. And do you know, Owen, do you know the, the number one batshit cage film? I would have said The Wicker Man because no of The Beast. Way. But no, no way. Nope. What's top of the list? Vampire's Kiss. Always Vampire's Kiss. <laughs> right. I am a vampire. I am a vampire. Just running down the street. He plays an, uh, an advertising executive who thinks he's becoming a vampire. Have you not seen this? No. Oh, no, but I well, know of its reputation. Put it, put it on your list because it's absolutely amazing. I will watch, again. I'll watch him in anything, but even on YouTube this evening we were watching um, top ten batshit cage moments it's just they are so funny there's there's loads of them as well people have put all these little compendiums of all of just him losing the plot on screen amazing absolutely amazing no are you, are you fans are you oh yeah yeah i mean i used to think i possibly because i'd only seen some of the crappier films of his that i just thought oh, i don't like nick cage 
And then, of course, you go back and watch something like, um, you know, Face Off and Con Air and The Rock, and you think, uh, no, he's he, he's 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 got presence. <laughs> you know, you can't deny that he's got presence. And then you can appreciate some of the more just out there performances, like Bad Lieutenant, which yeah. I think was a turning point for me when I thought, oh, man, Nick Cage is great, isn't he? <laughs> it's just it's just that whole film and his oh, performance. I in love it. it. Just, uh, yeah. He's got a, a new film out, I believe, this week, um, which is The Trust with uh, Elijah Wood, and he's back to batshit. It's about a oh, good. Film. Yeah, it's 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 actually decent. I know it's the the reviews haven't been great, but I really enjoyed it, and I I got batshit cage from that. Mm. I've never really liked Raising Arizona. I have to admit, I always thought that was a shit film. It's it's my least favorite Coen Brothers film, and I think he's my like least favorite thing in that as well because it's just a naff film and a naff performance. Um. But I know that people really love that, and it's just oh, people you know, love that film because it's I, yeah, again from Underground Nights, I guess, because I've spent the last couple of days editing it. I just think it's cult comedy. That's that's cult comedy to me because people seem to love it, and I think it's fucking awful. I think it's, my favorite is probably my favorite film that he's been. is probably Leaving. I think Leaving Las Vegas. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good. Go on then. What's your uh, number one? Uh, my number one is uh, John Wayne. <laughs> so, the, the, now, like to me, he is the epitome of a movie star. Uh, it's the first uh, first ever John Wayne film I saw was something called Big Jake, um, because I didn't really know where to start. You know, I wanted to try and give him a chance and watch some of his films. I think it was not long after I watched uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and someone that I uh, used to know claimed that Big Jake was his favourite John Wayne film who in hindsight I think was just being a bit of a hipster because Big Jake is just not a good film. Really just oh, so boring. It was in his later stages. I think it was 70, 73 or 74 that it came out. So that was like well into his um, Ill, like illness stages and it just wasn't a good film at all. And it put me off John Wayne for a long time. And, you know, I never really liked Westerns outside of the spaghetti Western genre anyway. But uh, I kind of persevered. I thought, right, I'll try some more and struggled through a few more of his films. I watched The Searchers and then I watched Stagecoach and She Wore a Yellow Ribbon and The Voyage Home and some of these classics. And I just thought, I just, maybe he's not for me. Maybe he just isn't for me. And then I think it was around... 2014, around that time when we were, I think you might have even been on that podcast, Paul. Was it one of the first that you were on the podcast for? And I was, I rewatched The Searchers just because yep, it was on. I was on that one. I think it was just after it was. I, I I rewatched it on TV, and I liked it a lot more. And so I followed that by watching The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance and thought, bloody hell, that's two great films and great performances in a row. And I watched Rio Grande and I thought. Yeah. Okay. I get it. I get what the the hype is about. I understand what it what it is. Rio Bravo kind of came afterwards and made me think. Yeah, I am a fan of John Wayne now. And then True Grit was the sort of final piece of the jigsaw. And I just think that there. Yes, there is John Wayne who is hired for films for being John Wayne. Yeah, there was that kind of films that people don't really like to talk about, like The Conqueror 
and Green Berets, where you just think, hmm, we'll just ignore these versions of John Wayne because they're fucking, like, horrendous, where he tries to play Genghis Khan and stuff, and you're like, mm-mm, that's not good. But then you see him in films like um, The Quiet Man or um, Red River or, or The Searchers, for example, like I mentioned earlier, and you think, he's a fucking legitimately good actor, John Wayne. He's a very good actor, but almost like I'd say probably 75% of his films he's hired for being John Wayne and was quite happy to turn up and be John Wayne. So it kind of makes me think, yeah, movie star is iconic. People know him as John Wayne, not as the guy who played so-and-so. I mean, I might not necessarily be a fan of some of his politics or at least what I've read about him. I think he's very, very Republican. Um, but you know what? He's a great, great actor, a great film actor. Anyway, well, my Proper my piece. dad loved him, absolutely adored him, and I remember him, he died in the riding, must have been in the late seventies, and my old man was fucking distraught hmm. that John Wayne was dead. We he used to make us watch his films all the time. If it was a John Wayne film on, we were watching it. Yeah, I mean, the, I was in. Um... Was I yesterday? Anyway, wherever it was, we, there was one of these, um, you know, gift sets, and it has like five films by so and so, and it was like a tenner, and I picked it up and said, like, "Oh, that's John Wayne." And even though like the films on the back, I'd never even heard the titles of before. I was like, I'm tempted to buy this just because it's John Wayne, you know, just tempted to give it a, a, an opportunity just because of the name that's attached to it. So that's kind of like it's like movie star, isn't it? If you look at it and think. The name is what's drawn your eye to that. It's got to mm-hmm. be. So, yeah. yeah. So, he's um, my, my third choice. My final pick then is uh, Tom Hanks. Nice. You, again, like the other two that I've picked, really, when you, when you see them interviewed on chat shows or whatever, they seem to have a, a charm, a bit of a sense of humour, and a kind of a, a, a nice personality about them. Um, and perhaps that does transposed to their films but he's just been in so many big hits from I suppose going back as far as maybe big or maybe even before that um, you've got Forrest Gump Apollo 13, all three Toy Story Saving Private Ryan, The Green Mile Castaway uh, just could go on, even films when he's in like the kind of um, I suppose action like Da Vinci Code and the other Dan Brown, Dan Brown films that he makes even then you want to watch them. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Bridge of Spies most recently, um, he's going to be in a film called Hologram for a King that's out later this year that looks like it could be a good watch. And it's just everything he's in, you think, brilliant, it's Tom Hanks, I'm going to go and see it. Yep, my favourite Tom Hanks film is actually The Terminal. That's, yeah, it's yeah. a good film, yeah. And Captain, Captain Phillips, another one from a few years ago where yeah. I think it was Oscar nominated and... It's just sort of, I wouldn't say everything he touches turns to gold, but he is just fantastic. And he's versatile as well. He seems to pick his projects. He he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, kind of oversaturate. He's not like a Nick Cage will do three, three or four films a year just, just for a paycheck. Mm. He does seem to, you know, he doesn't do a huge amount. You say that, but um, he does seem to be involved um, only as a producer though. In uh, my big fat Greek wedding, too. Ouch. 
Um, he's not he's not acting in it. He has uh, got a producing credit on it. Yeah, but that could just mean he's putting some money into it. Well, who knows? <laughs> who knows? It's not tarnishing after I'm talking about so much. But no, he is a uh, he is fantastic. Um, right, that is pretty much all, except for the rest of the Twitter votes that we've had. Yeah, so uh, again, thanks to Paul for this, really, because I um, I didn't do it. Paul did. So uh, some of the people who replied to it was and tag well replied to Paul and tagged us in. Uh, Jay Woodcock at Text No Logic. He suggested Hugh Jackman, which I think is a really good shout as well. Um, although you you know you kind of have to if you separate him from Wolverine, has he really been in some great films? I know that you were quite a big fan of Les Mis, Steve. Um, I think, what else has he been in? Um, so I don't think he's been in many great films. He's been in certainly some good films. Um, hmm. But you know, yeah, yeah. I don't think there are many off the top of my head that I could think of. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's a good show. Um, uh, we mentioned Sam Hesketh, didn't we? Who said Kurt Russell and Sam Rockwell. Uh, Kurt Russell's a fucking good shape for this. He's a, a legitimate mm. Hollywood icon as well, not, I think. Not, not too sure about Sam Rockwell. Um, I mean, one I one I thought about and then I, I decided not to was uh, Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. because he's he's yeah he's this really good looking actor who's a fantastic actor. He's he's often linked with I think previously with famous celebrity women and he's in all like the women's magazines and all like in women's magazines are oh, which celebrity do you have a crush on? That's Ryan Gosling. He doesn't do massive films, does he? He's sort of like, he does sort of more like indie films or smaller films or more like arty projects. Uh, you don't see him in like huge, big blockbusters mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. or Oscar, not, you know, I don't know if he's been Oscar nominated yet, but like something like was it drive. There's a, there's yeah, he was in Drive. Yeah, there's he's... projects more like that, and you don't see him kind of, or currently you don't see him in, in in sort of huge, big, um, popular movies, so to speak. Um, I think he, I... you're right in that he's he's known for being very good looking. I think he's also got a reputation as being a very good actor as well. You know, you see him in yeah. something like Blue Valentine. Mm, um, but he, do, he doesn't come across. He doesn't see box office. If you see what mm. I mean? Mm-hmm. He's not like, you know, you 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 never see. I'm sure if you did see it, like a, a superhero film starring Ryan Gosling, he doesn't seem the kind of person who do that. And you don't look at like a general public perhaps wouldn't look at a film like Drive or Blue Valentine and think, "Oh, I'm going to go and see that," or oh, "I'm going to see that" because Ryan Gosling's in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was in the Notebook. Let's just, you know, that is true. We've all, <laughs> we've all got to start somewhere. <laughs> no, again, yeah. he pick, he picks his projects. Yeah, but that's by choice. Mm. Mm-hmm. And he is, again, just to go on about the nice guy, it's just so funny, you know? Him and uh, Russell Crowe together, just a, you, there seems to be a real chemistry between them. I really want to talk about that film, but <laughs> you're going to have to watch it as soon as it's out, Steve. Um, we also had Neil Grace at Om, Olimite, uh, O-L-I-M-I-T-E, who said, uh, for all his real-life crap, Cruise is pretty watchable. He also suggested yeah. William H. Macy and Philip Seymour Hoffman. Again, those two, I'm not so sure how many films William H. Macy's name attached to cells mm. uh, to people. Philip Seymour Hoffman is closer to being a, 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 hot, a sort of movie star in my mind. But again, he's one that wouldn't always turn up in big blockbuster films. I know he did the Hunger Games 
films before he, he died. He, but, you know, but he's he's not the essential character. He's not what's making people go and watch Hunger Games. Like mm-hmm. I suppose with movie stars, if if you were just if if you were walking along the street and somebody you weren't told what the film was, and somebody said to you, "Right, here's a ticket to go and see um, a new film out. It's not been advertised or marketed at all, but Tom Hanks is in it." And pretty much everyone who got offered that would go, yeah, all right, then I'll go. And if you went up to them and said, no one knows anything about this film, not been marketed at all, brand new film, Philip Seymour Hoffman is the star of it, how many people, less people, would take that up the Tom Hanks one? Yeah, yeah people I on think... the street, but people mm-hmm. listening to this podcast be might well, be a different answer. Well, that's different, it's a film podcast, but I mean, it's what you're talking about is movie stars, as you know, as mm-hmm. what do you class as a movie star? Not a, not an actor, not a good actor, because they're two very different things. Perhaps you can have some movie stars who are good or great actors, but you can probably have some good or great actors that aren't movie stars. Mhm. Yeah, I think that's a yeah, fair. Yeah, um, but yeah, Tom Cruise he also suggested, and uh, again, another one that defines what it is, what that that term means to me. You know, not a particularly yeah. great actor, but is charismatic. He's headlining blockbuster after blockbuster, you know, whether it's Mission Impossible or um, the Live, Die, Repeat film or whatever that was called when, when it came out. Uh, do you, uh, what was that called? The, uh, oh, I don't yeah, know what you mean. mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that one. Anyway, um, or even stuff like Oblivion, which was an, a really just forgettable science fiction film but it's still him that is drawing people to these projects so yeah yeah and uh, one more that i I just mentioned was from uh, matt lamborn who suggested leonardo dicaprio ed norton and of course arnold schwarzenegger Mm. Mm -hmm. again Um, the latter possible is like definitely dicaprio is one that wavers for me i mean what do you guys think of it dicaprio as movie star yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Can I just point out nobody's mentioned any actresses? Just you know, just throw that out there. I was thinking about this too, and I was trying to think about who I might include. And I thought the first one that came to my mind was um, Scarlett Johansson in terms of modern actresses. Scojo. Scojo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned Marilyn Monroe at the start. Oh, we Marilyn did. Monroe. Oh, yeah. yeah. But then you've got like Betty Davis or you've got Lillian Gish and all these old uh, classic actresses. Uh, I mean, one, one's, and all that kind of stuff. One's still active now. I mean, I suppose you're looking at um, Meryl Streep. She's pretty big draw. Um, Emily Blunt. She's pretty, you know, yeah, big but... name at the moment. Um... But I think it might be kind of indicative of the industry as a whole that they don't usually sell movies based on the strength of an, uh, an oh, actress. I don't know. I'd, I'd watch any Gem Rotterton film. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. But, I mean, she's not going to be the headlining actress on the, the film, even when she was in that, um, even just a little indie project. What was that? The Byz- uh, Byzantium? And she was in it, yeah. and it was uh, Johnny Lee Miller. And then Gemma Rotterton. Mm. You know what I mean? It's kind of... I know. That that, that, that he was third. Bill, who was Cersei mm. Ronan and her were, were top billing. Mm. Um, anyway, should we wrap the podcast up for this evening by doing some recommendations quickly? I'm going to go for Film 4 on Friday night at 5 past 11. It's Beverly Hills Cop. 
strangely enough, straight after that, you could go and watch uh, Beverly Hill Cops 3. Quite uh, why they're not doing Beverly Hill Cops 2 and then I don't know. I didn't mm. do the scheduling, but you can watch Beverly Hills Cop at five but past eleven on Friday on film. Beverly or... Hills Cop Two is on Netflix, though. I I know that because I watched Coming to America for the first time in donkey's years at the weekend. So, and it was another Eddie go. Murphy one, wasn't it? Yeah, Eddie Murphy before Mel B ruined him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I spoke about it earlier. Uh, Victoria, which is out on uh, DVD and Blu-ray this week. Okay, and Owen. I am recommending Preacher, which is a new TV series produced by AMC in America, but is viewable on Amazon over here, which is developed by uh, Evan Goldberg and Seth Rogen and Ben Lott, based on the Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon comic, which stars Dominic Cooper as Jesse Custer, who's a preacher who has the voice of God, um, or at least it did in the comics. In the first first episode that I've seen, the second one came out in the UK today, which I was planning to watch straight after this podcast. Um, I don't know how that's going to work in the TV series. I'm curious because they've already said, Seth Rogen and that have already come out and said, it's inspired by the comics as opposed to being a like-for-like adaptation, which makes me think, good, it gives me a reason to watch it rather than just go back and read the comics again. I was really confused, Owen. What was going on? Because it was this like the origin, is it like a team of them with the guy with the arse for a face and so i was just didn't know what was going on yeah i'm hoping that in terms of the tv series it will become clearer as it goes on i think the right. first episode was it suffered a little bit from pilot syndrome do you know what i mean it's just like it jumps all over the place. everything in everything has to be crammed into the first episode it's got to have enough references to the comics to keep the comic book nerds happy it's got to have lots of references to things that might come in the future so people who may pick up on one or two things that they might like will stick around uh yeah it was a bit jumbled but there's enough in it to make me think okay they've got the spirit of the comic let's just see how it develops so okay um so yes that's it that's it for this week's failed critics podcast uh next week me and Owen will be joined by Andrew Brooker and Callum Petch as we review the likes of The Nice Guys and Warcraft. Uh, two very different films there. Thank you all for listening and come back and listen to us next week. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at FailedCritics.com, on Twitter at FailedCritics, and Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash FailedCritics. Thanks for listening. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.